morning, my title is The Unshakable Kingdom, and we, we've got to the end of Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, I'm going to talk, uh, I'll, I'll kind of uh, cut some sections out of my message, just to keep it shorter, but I want to talk about the, um, the physical scene world and the invisible spiritual world, and also this present age that we live in and the age to come. Um, if I had to define the term uh, the age or an age, it would be uh, a distinct period in history. And so people have divided up history into various ages. So you get like the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Industrial Age, the Information Age. Uh, but God also divides up history in his unique ways. That's how man divides it, but God divides it up a little bit differently. He has time frames as well. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. He said, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Now, it's more accurate to translate that either in this age or in the age to come. So Jesus is saying there's a current age and there's another age to come. Matthew 24, verse 3, you can read it for yourselves. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, what will be the signs of the end of the age? When is all this going to happen? When, when are you coming back? And then Jesus goes through a whole lot of things that are going to happen uh, he speaks about them in Matthew 24. The sign of Jesus' coming and the end of this age. So, so a couple of things from that. Number one is that this age is the same age. We are living in the same age that the disciples lived in. Because as far as I'm aware, Jesus hasn't come back yet. Amen? Unless he has and none of us went with him. Which would be a tragedy. But... Uh, so this age, we're living in the same age, and it hasn't come to an end yet, but it is going to come to an end. And it will end, number two, when Jesus returns. That's when this current age is going to end, and then there will be another age that starts after that, another period of time. And the third thing is that there are signs that are going to take place which are going to show us the closer and closer we get to the end of this age, there will be signs. We will know that it's coming to an end. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have answered them. He would have said, they, they would have said to him, what are the signs of your coming in the end of the age? He would have said, well, there aren't any. But he didn't. He listed a whole chapter load full of signs that, that are going to take place before he returns. So we won't know the exact day or the exact hour but we will have a sense that things are getting to a climax, okay? That's what the Bible says. And just by the way, that uh, if one day you see that the sun and the stars have stopped shining, uh, you are about to see Jesus return. That is for sure, okay? So that's one of the last signs that's going to happen. And he's going to come back with blinding light trumpets and an army of angels. One of the interesting things to me was that when uh, Joe and I went to Nepal a couple of years ago, we had like a Q&A session thing, just a random 
ask any question type of thing. And one of the questions that the guys were asking a lot of was about what's going to happen uh, after death? What's life going to be like? And it's, it was very interesting to me because I hardly ever get asked that or to teach on that anywhere I've ever been. And I wonder if it's because many Christians have this kind of attitude. Well, I'll worry about life here on earth while I'm here, but in the age to come, I'll worry about that when I get there and not worry about it now. But the Bible has a lot to say about life after death, what's going to happen to us, and I really feel that we should take it seriously. We should be concerned about what's going to happen in the next stage. Anyway, so the passage we're going to cover in Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to turn there, is uh, just the last few verses, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at probably uh, from verse 25. But uh, what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping just to paint a picture and give a kind of uh, a reality check to us and, uh, and, and look at things that are going on around us in terms of what the Bible says about the world that we live in and the age that we're living in. Uh, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church, Second Corinthians, just take the verse down. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. Paul said this, uh, and, and the reason he said this is because this current age, this present age, is coming to an end, okay? And so he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Everything we see here is going to be gone one day. Okay, But the things we cannot see will last forever. Okay, This lectern here is not going to last forever. It may last a hundred years. It may even last... A thousand years, but it won't last forever. Eventually, this thing is going to disintegrate. If it doesn't get destroyed when the earth gets destroyed, it will it'll eventually disintegrate back into whatever atoms it was made of. Okay? It's not going to last forever. The things that we see are not permanent. The things that we don't see, those things are permanent. Okay. And so If we have a look at what's going on in this current age, I think a realistic Christian view of what's going on is that this world is in an absolute mess. It is. If you take massive categories and look at what's going on in the world, the coronavirus pandemic is just the tip of the iceberg of what's going on around the world. Poverty. Current statistics on global poverty show that half the world's population live on less than $5.50 a day. Half the world live on 167 bucks a month. Less. That's a problem. I doubt there's anyone in Australia living in that level of poverty. War. You know, we're aware of the war in the Ukraine right now, but actually... There are 27 live, ongoing conflicts around the world. Right now, today, the war in the Ukraine is one of 27. In fact, the longest-going civil war 
is happening right now in Myanmar, and it's been going since 1948. 70-something years of civil war. They've never, the last 70 years, they haven't known anything but civil war. And here's the thing, is that if you added up the cost, the annual cost of all these conflicts around the world, it would come to $14 trillion. That's what all these wars are costing every single year. That amount of money could, uh, could eradicate poverty 42 times over. But yet we're spending all the money on fighting instead of feeding people. That's the situation the world is in. Pollution. The World Bank have released figures that 99% of people on earth are affected by air pollution. That's us. Unless you live in Antarctica or somewhere there, you are the 1% that doesn't, doesn't suffer with air pollution. And, I mean, I could go on and on. There's illiteracy. There's human trafficking. Then there's the whole spiritual side of things. How many people on this earth know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? What, what percentage? How many unreached people groups are there in the world? There are thousands, and an unreached people group means a community of people that have never heard the name Jesus. They have never heard that there is such a thing as a Bible. They've never heard the gospel. Never, never heard of Jesus. You think Jesus, everyone knows. There are thousands of groups around the world that have literally, they have no Christian witness. They've never had one. They've got to be reached by the church. Now, I don't want to dwell on this, but I, I want us to see that we live in a world that's in crisis. We live in an age that is in trouble. <laughs> and I think that we can either look at it and get depressed, and I don't think that's a biblical way of doing things, or we can simply ignore things and live in a bubble, and that's also not a Christian way of looking at things. We've got to see things clearly as they are and not put all our passion and all our eggs into this age's basket. <laughs> because I think we can do that. We can fall in love with the things of the world. We can fall in love with material things. We can put all our focus into building something here and now in this age and the Bible says it's not going to last. Or you can build for the next age. The Bible says store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not on earth. <laughs> and if we don't see this, the reality of this picture, we are going to put all our effort into putting treasure on earth and get to heaven and go, oh, okay, I didn't give you guys much to work with up here. There's this joke about people rocking up in heaven and one guy who was a nobody on earth rocked up in heaven and got this incredible mansion and a guy that was incredibly wealthy on earth got into heaven and the angel showed him where his uh, home was and it was a shack. <laughs> it's not going to be like that in the Bible. This is just a joke, right? And he went, what happened? That guy got a mansion and this guy and I get a shack. And the angel said, well, that's all you sent us to work with. <laughs> How we live here, it makes a difference in eternity. 
<laughs> As a Christian, you know, we, we need to look at what the Bible says about the world we live in. And it says that this world has been corrupted by sin. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, we can go to amazing places and see incredible sights and have wonderful holidays and that. But the reality is the world that we live in, all of it has been corrupted by sin. God created it good, but sin corrupted it. Romans 8 verse 19 to 21 says this, Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So all of creation is looking forward to a day where it is going to get set free from death and decay. Because right now, it is being subjected to the corruption of sin. And even creation recognizes there's a problem with this age that we're in. And so as Christians, we have to have that kind of mindset. That there is a problem in the world that we live in, in the age that we're in. And creation is waiting to be set free from this problem. And it's not God's fault that there's suffering in the world. You see, it's not God's fault that actually the devil is running the show in this age. The Bible says that the devil is the God of this age. Let me give you a scripture for that, just in case you don't believe me. (laughs) Where is it? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, says the God of this age has blinded the minds of of unbelievers. So that's not Jesus. That's the devil. He is the God of this age. And it's one of the reasons why when Jesus was tempted by the devil, one of the things the devil did is he took him up on a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world, which are people. And he said, I'll give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus never got into an argument and said, hey, they're not yours to give. They are his to give. The devil owns all the kingdoms of this world. He is the God of this age, and that's why it's in a mess. You put him in charge, and you've got chaos. Jesus isn't coming back to fix this age. He's coming back to end this age and start a new one where he is going to rule, and it's going to be totally different. (laughs) Amen. But it's not God's fault that the devil is running the show right now because he created mankind and he said to humanity, rule over creation, subdue the earth. And what happened? They submitted to Satan and gave him the throne. And now he is in charge. (laughs) Anyway, that's the situation we're in. And so remember that as we look at this verse in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 And we're going to look at verse 25 to 29. It says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. 
Just a comment on that. This is the whole thrust of Hebrews. The whole thrust of Hebrews is if things were serious under Moses, how much more serious are they under Jesus? If people didn't listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, the earthly messenger, what's going to happen to people who don't listen to Jesus, the heavenly messenger? Okay? Anyway, that's not my message. Let's move on. Then it continues and it says, When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring or consuming fire. See, there is a time coming when God is going to shake all things. He prophesied it in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. You can just write that down. Haggai 2, 6. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. And so what I believe is important for us to believers to, to take into account this world and this age is going to be shaken so that only unshakable things will stand. Everything else is going to crumble. And if we put our hope and our energy into things that are going to be shaken, we're going to be disappointed. <laughs> Amen. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that this message is, is coming across in a way of let's Let's open our eyes and see what's really going on around here. And let's put our focus into things that are going to matter. That's, that's my heart. My heart is to, to shed some light on this so that we, 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 look, we go, okay, I've been putting a lot of energy into that, but maybe I should be putting some energy into this because that is going to get shaken. There's going to be nothing left of that. Amen? <laughs> Don't allow ourselves to get attached to earthly things because they're not going to last. The world has seen some incredible disasters over the year. But the biggest one is still coming. That's what the Bible says. And for me, that's encouraging. I look at what's going on in the world around me and I'm not worried about it because the Bible says this is what's going to happen. It's all God's already told us. So I see, okay, there's earthquakes, there's this, that, the next thing. Yes, there's a whole lot of wars going on, but Jesus said it would happen. So it doesn't worry me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's encouraging for me to go, God hasn't left us in the dark to say, well, good luck, let's see how you go. I know what's coming, but you've got no idea. He said, no, I'm going to share with you what's coming so that you do have an idea so that you can stand firm and not be shaken, not fall in a heap. You can have faith in God that he is going to bring you through. Amen? So let's, have a, let's end by just turning to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to have a look at verse 4 to 35. Matthew 4. Sorry, Matthew 24, not, not 4. Matthew 24. I'm just going to make some comments as we go through this. 
We'll read from verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples, let me just take a bit of water here. His, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. They, they were impressive buildings. But he responded, uh, do you see all these buildings? I'll tell you the truth, they'll be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. That would have been an absolute shock to the Israelites. I mean, this is the center of their worship. Without the temple, they can't worship God. They can't make sacrifices. They can't do anything. And they're going, oh, Jesus, look at how great these buildings are. He says, listen, they're going to be torn down. There won't be a single stone left on top of the other. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when this will happen. This is concerning to them. What sign will signal your return at the end of the world or the end of the age? What's going to happen? And then Jesus said this. He said, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. One of the, one of the greatest signs that we're getting closer and closer to the end is deception. Deception in the church. It's going to increase. And the way we combat that is this. Read it. Get it into you. So you know when something doesn't line up with God's word. If you don't know God's word, you will be an easy target for deception. You believe anything. Verse 6. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and that word nation is ethnic group, so not just international, but civil wars. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And so Jesus is saying this category of events Wars, famines, earthquakes, civil wars, things like that. These are birth pains. What happens with birth pains is when you are expecting a baby, birth pains start happening. They get more and more intense, closer and closer together, the closer it is to giving birth. It's exactly the same with these things. Ever since Jesus, there have been wars, there have been earthquakes, there have been famines. But as we see it increasing more and more and more, we know that it's like the contractions are getting stronger and stronger. It's closer to the end. Okay, That's the first category. The next category is what's going to happen to the church. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Praise God. <laughs> no amens there. Uh, you will be handed over, sorry, you'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. So it's unavoidable. If you've decided to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your lot. You cannot escape this. You can't say, well, I don't want this, but I want Jesus. <laughs> okay? It comes, it's a complete package, amen. It's a package deal. Um, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. This is the church. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. That's the church. It's already in the world, eh? 
But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations, all people groups will hear it and then the end will come. What is going to usher in the end? The preaching of the gospel to every people group on earth, every person. The quicker we do that, the quicker the end will come. The longer we take to do that, the longer it will take for Jesus to return. Because it's not Jesus' job to preach the gospel. Amen. He gave us that job when he said, go into all the world. You do it. <laughs> so that's the variable that's up to us. Okay. So that's the second thing. There's going to be worldwide persecution against Christians. And it's going to be unavoidable. And it's not going to be in pockets. It's going to be everywhere. Okay. These first signs of birth pains, then there's going to be massive persecution against the church. The gospel will be preached everywhere, and then the end will come. And then there's some things that are going to happen which are specific to the nation of Israel. It says, a day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Now, this is something that uh, has happened in Israel's past. When Rome came in and conquered Israel, one of the things that one of the, I think it was a general or it might have been a, who is it? Emperor. No, I don't think it was the emperor. It was some other dude. He sacrificed a pig in the temple. Was it Nero? Yeah. And uh, anyway, so that to the Jews is like you desecrating a holy place because a pig is an unclean animal to them, they would never have done that. That is, that is rubbing God's nose in it kind of thing. And so it's happened in the past, but it's going to happen even worse than that in the future. Uh, then those in Judea must flee to the hills. So Jesus is saying there is something that's going to happen which is going to desecrate um, the holy place. When that happens... Israelites need to run for their lives. That's basically what he's saying. A person on the deck of a roof, uh, let me turn the page here, must, must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women or for nursing mothers in those days because they're going to need to run and it's going to be difficult. He said, don't even get belongings. When you see that happen, Run for your lives. Basically, that's, that's what's going to happen. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Why is that? Well, it's unique to Israel. On the Sabbath, nothing happens. So roads are empty. If you're running for your lives as a big group, you're not amongst a big crowd. You're a sitting duck. So pray that it doesn't happen on a Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones or the sake of God's elect. That's the nation of Israel. Okay? Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. Because you can imagine, this tragedy is happening in Israel, 
And some guys are standing up saying, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm going to save you. Don't go into the, don't run for your lives. Stay here, stay in the temple, stay in the holy city or whatever. You're going to be saved. There's going to be people that are going to do that. And, he, and Jesus says, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. That's the nation of Israel again. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. If someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. And then he says this, For as lightning flashes in the east and shines in the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. You won't have to go into the desert or into a cave or look in some building to find Jesus returning. When he returns, it's going to be like lightning flashing across the sky. Every single person across the world will see it happening. Okay? Uh, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, these signs indicate that the end is near. What does that mean? Well, vultures gather around dying, a dying animal or animals that have died. And so he's saying... Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there's a carcass nearby, these signs indicate that the end is near. It could be that there is such a mass destruction of the people of Israel that it's going to be, this is going to be a sign that the end is very, very near. Okay? Uh, immediately after the anguish of those days. So, so you've got birth pains. Don't worry. The end is not yet. It's going to come. They're going to increase. Then you've got the persecution of the church and the preaching of the gospel, then the end is going to happen. Then, next thing, there's going to be signs in Israel. Massive persecution that happens in Israel. And then it says, immediately after, this is not years later, this is immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. This is why I said earlier, if you see no sun, the sun gone, The moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of the trumpet, And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the furthest ends of the earth and heaven. And so that's how things are going to wrap up. God has said it in his word. It's it's pretty clear. I mean, yes, we're seeing things happening in the world right now. There's no ways that we can predict a date. We're not going to know the day or the hour. But what we can see in the world is a trend of more and more wars, more and more problems, more and more earthquakes. I think the number of earthquakes that happen around the world is kind of going on a, on a what do you call that, uh, exponential, that's it, exponential graph. There are literally tens of thousands of earthquakes happening. Some of them are small, but it's on the increase. Why? Because things are getting, the birth pains are increasing, increasing, increasing. And we know what's going to come. So how should we be living in light of all of this? Well, the last two verses in Hebrews 12 says, 
Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and let us please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's be thankful and let's worship God. Let's live our lives. I'm not saying ignore life on earth or in this age. We have to live. You need a house. You need food to eat. You need a job to go to. You need all these things. But don't allow this world to suck you in and, and for you to become passionate about the things of this world when you know they're not going to last, but the things of eternity are going to last forever. So live for the Lord. We've got a job to do. We've got a, a gospel to get out there. It's part of what God has said, go and do. So let's go and do it. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's share. Hey, we've got a lady in the church was, you know, had cancer and God has totally healed her. She hasn't got a trace of it left in her body. God does miracles today because many people don't think that anymore. We live in a day where we call, you know, uh, something that isn't a miracle a miracle because we don't believe God can actually grow legs. He can give back blind eyes, sight and all this stuff. He can raise the dead again, back to life again. God does miracles. Nothing is impossible for him. Let's, let's go and tell the world of this wonderful God that we serve. And let's not worry when we see things happening in the world around us because God has already told us what's going to happen. Yes, things might get difficult, but you know what? God is going to walk with us every step of the way. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will give us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen. Hopefully this hasn't come across as a as a crazy heavy message. Maybe you've never thought about these things before, but it, it's in the Bible. Just read it for yourselves. And I, I'm praying that it's going to give you peace and it's going to give you a focus that's really going to make a difference for your life in eternity. Amen. Let's, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, as we've shared some things around your word uh, today, I pray that your word would grip our hearts, that we would look forward to the future with optimism and hope because of you, Lord, not because we're hoping the world is going to fix itself, not because we're hoping all these problems are going to go away, but because we're hoping for your return. When you're going to come back, you're going to put an end to this age and you're going to rule and reign in a new age and it's going to be a million times better than what we have now. So, Lord, I pray that there would be peace in our hearts. There wouldn't be any fear about what's to come, but that there would be a peace and a comfort knowing that you're a God who shepherds us and you walk with us every step of the way. I pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast.